It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we got a great show for you today. As promised, we're finally getting into some draft stuff for the Brooklyn Nets. They're picking 19. We have a conversation around some guys that we are seeing mocked up that we've kind of you know, taken off the board for ourselves. Guys like Jaden McDaniels, Theo Maladone. And it really brings us into a conversation about what the Nets are looking to do this year uh, and also looking to do in future years because they're in an interesting spot of being in win now but also need to develop young players as well. We're going to get all into it here. Let's go. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your best and official source for everything you need to know about the Brooklyn Nets. I'm Doug Nori, owner and operator of DFSR, a player in the DFS and gambling space for really every sport, but specifically basketball. And over there is Adam Armbrecht, your voice on Sportscaster, where he's Sportscaster, where he's also an analyst for NBA and NFL news as well. Howdy, friends. Friends, indeed. We are here Friday morning. We are on the eve of the NBA draft. A Nets Twitter, thankfully, took uh, Nets rumor mill slash Twitter took a night off Thursday night, uh, which I was thankful about to uh, to kind of just clear the deck <laughs> as we <laughs> as we get ready to launch into the draft because that's been the thing that's been happening this whole week is just when we're like, okay, tomorrow we're going to do the draft, and it's like, well, you know, Chris Paul. I know that wasn't a Nets thing, but I thought it was Nets related enough. Chris Paul of Phoenix. Okay, well, right. Nets, okay, tomorrow we'll do the draft. It's like James Harden has Brooklyn as one of his preferred choices, and your head explodes, and he's just who can? And by the way, we can't get into the draft today because we're talking about Westbrook going to the no. Charlotte Hornets. No, we're not going oh, to. We're not going to oh, do it. Oh, no, no, oh. <laughs> no. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm starting. I'm gonna toe the line here. I'm gonna. I'm drawing a hard line in the sand. We cannot. We simply cannot talk about this Westbrook. <laughs> I, I, believe me, I want to. I, I want to. It's it's fascinating. But uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna steal myself here and talk about the draft. So the Nets are in an interesting position this year. 
because and we're going to get into philosophical you know discussions around what the draft should be for them. Uh, we're going to take a look at some players that we think we can uh, you know think that you can kind of maybe get excited for or kind of look forward to on draft night. I will say if you haven't done too much draft. Uh, analysis at this point or reading up in the draft this year more than any other year is all over the place in terms of what teams plan to do where teams you know sort of evaluate players even what the mock draft board is it's uh, you know maybe the some of it's coalescing around certain teams uh, maybe you know we're getting a clearer sign that Lamella Ball looks like he's going to be the first overall pick uh, after that though it is question mark city in terms of how this draft is going to play out yeah with really a really wide range of outcomes, and that's because this draft is considered to be, uh, for lack of a better word, a weak draft. It You're doesn't weak. mean what's that? You're weak. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny about weak drafts. So, like, I think ten, people tend to think, oh, it's a weak draft. That means there's nobody to draft, right? <laughs> like, that's not. That, I think that's sometimes what the thought process ends up being, but that's just not true. It more means that there's no consensus number one pick or number like one through three, as we've seen in other seasons, but it doesn't mean that there's, it's totally devoid of NBA talent. Like you've done a lot of draft research, right? Like we, you wouldn't say that it's devoid of NBA talent, right? It's just that it's that there's no, the weakness comes from, it's not top heavy at all in like superstar sort of like, lock it up this guy is like definitely you know like you know luca you know guys like this you know we had tatum the like a couple years ago now, like, by the way the guy i just mentioned uh Luke, the, both of those guys got drafted like second and third and guys like lonzo ball and right. fultz went before them so it's sometimes it can get off the rails too but is that is that your general impression of this draft right now you've done a lot of draft research for for the lockdown podcast network um is that it's sort of like I don't know, just very, very, it's very deep in a way, but like does it, it lacks like the, it lacks like sort of like an impact star, maybe like right coming right out of college or right out of, you know, overseas. Yeah, because even some of the guys like now when they talk about ball at the top of the draft, but it, it's some, they're saying, well, is it a fit for Minnesota to go that way? Or should they trade out of that pick and try to get other assets or kick the can down the road to a following year? And that's not even about his skill set or not. Some of it's about fit and whether or not he's going to be able to be productive for your team. And generally speaking, after the top three or four prospects, it gets a little bit light. But at the same time, you know, in overall terms, the NBA draft usually is this handful of big flash names and then it's everybody else right like I mean Jared Allen was not a name going into the draft the Nets took him relatively late and he's developed into a nice contributor for the roster like so it, it really comes down to now about scouting and how how they fit with your team and how you're going to utilize them and then I think from what I've gleaned when you read about a lot of these prospects it's either one or two areas they kind of fall into of is going to need a little bit more time to refine his game. There's a handful of international players that have been thrown around as well. Or this is a very specific function for this player that he can do very well, and you're going to have to worry about these other areas of his game another day, right? So they're not necessarily maybe the most well-rounded players in every single, in all, in all aspects of their game. And it doesn't mean they're not talented. It doesn't mean they can't be NBA contributors. You're getting guys that get scouted in the late 20s, and they're saying, hey, this is a guy that can end up being a 10-year NBA starter. So it's, right. you know, it's not, not devoid of talent. It's just about that barometer of superstardom and being able to take over a franchise for you and change the fortunes of some of these lesser organizations that are maybe looking to have that opportunity in this draft. And by the way, like, yes, there's um, a concentration around talent when it comes to the top overall draft picks. After that, it's really a lot of times about de- like sort of like a luck and development thing. 
because yeah. you're just not it's not guaranteed like you just have to have the infrastructure to develop players too like you can draft whoever not whoever you want like it needs to be a certain pedigree but there you you know so so my, my point is like draft the next drafting at 19 should not be looked at it's not look it shouldn't be looked at as like a wasted pick it, it then becomes you know who you think you can best develop by the way no better example coming off a season with the Miami Heat in the in the NBA championship mm-hmm. okay like who is their closing lineup Tyler Hero 13th pick in the draft Bam Adebayo 14th pick in the draft Jimmy Butler 30th pick in the draft Duncan Robinson undrafted you see the theme I'm going for here like there's no there's not a top 10 guy on the floor for them, and they're three games away from winning the NBA championship. And what's and the so, other theme there is that they're an incredibly well-run organization, right? That develops talent and has stability. So if you're if you're that organization, that's what you can afford to do because you trust your development in bringing along players that have a nice baseline. And yes, need to refine and grow as they get to the NBA, right? Uh, like I said, throw out I said the Timberwolves at the top, but just teams that have had bad runs here, right? You look at them and you go, I don't know if you put. Tyler Hero on the Minnesota Timberwolves, maybe he doesn't develop the same way in his rookie season, and maybe he still gets where he's going to be for his career, but it takes two years, three years, instead of an immediate impact player. Right, so this is like, it's a philosophical thing, so this is where the Nets, look, the Nets have not been, uh, have not been afforded the ability to draft high in the draft for years, Uh, the, the reasons are long and winding about why that's been the case, it's been a combination of not having draft assets for a really long time, and just being kind of like out kicking their coverage in terms of record. So they're, <laughs> so they're kind of, uh, you know, sort of landing in these, uh, you could consider them no man's land type places for, for where you're going to pick. But then, you know, you kind of still stumble on stuff. Karis Levert's turned into uh, a really, really, really nice asset. And they've also been, a, they've, you know, they've done a good job in the past too, of just kind of like finding, a, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure <laughs> in terms of like being able to flip stuff. You know, the D'Angelo Russells and Spencer Dinwiddie's of the world where Joe other teams and Joe Harris. Okay. Good point. Joe Harris. Great. Um, right. So like they've been, they've been absolutely murdering it on that kind of thing. And so that's been able to, that's been able to extend out the idea that they haven't uh, drafted too much that they've just crushed it on this other part of the game. So, um, we're going to talk about you know how, where they land here at 19, the pick they have from Minnesota. If you want other draft coverage, you got to head over and do the, the rest of the sort of like the Locked On podcast uh, just rounds here, but specifically the Locked On NBA podcast, where every single day they're bringing on analysts from the, the, the entire network, including guys like Chad Ford, guys like John Hollinger, um, the, the, where they are breaking down different draft picks. They're breaking down just different draft ideas as we lead into it, and then all the other shows on the network kind of jumped on there. Adam's on there with his breakdown about some players, uh, and then you really can just listen to everyone else's team's philosophy. It's fascinating. It's awesome. It's like one of the best listens of the day, just to check in on the NBA draft. Know that when you get to uh, the 18th, that you're just going to kind of have an idea about how things can go, and you can kind of see how things don't shake out. So go over and listen to the Locked On NBA podcast right now and go check out all the draft coverage. It's really uh, I'm, I'm not just saying this because we're on the network. Uh, there's really kind of no better daily resource to get uh, yourself going on NBA Draft. And while you're listening to the uh, Locked On NBA Draft, enjoy yourself a Built Bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, you said, mm, you, know, you ain't kidding, buddy. Uh, it's the best tasting protein bar there is. Uh, there's really, look, times move fast right now. People are working. You kind of like lose track of a meal. You, you maybe just need like an energy boost. You want to make sure you're staying healthy. It's increasingly difficult. You want to reach into the fridge to grab something just kind of junky, uh, and that can just kind of throw you off for the whole day. Now, reach for the built bar. 
It's perfect for the keto diet, uh, 19 grams of protein in some of these, 18 grams of protein, really low on sugar. That's the thing that can usually do you in, that sugar that just you don't realize you're it's in all this stuff. And then you just look at the package, you're like, oh, my God, this thing was actually an ice cream cone and not like a protein bar, not not built bar. Low in all this stuff, low in net carbs, you, tons of great flavors, raspberry, chocolate. These are the originals, peanut butter, mint brownie. Mm, you got me there. Toffee almond. Now, now you're really cooking. So built bar. <laughs> Yeah, the stuff's great, man. It's easy to do these reads when the stuff's good. I don't really know what to tell anybody. It's not, uh, <laughs> this is, sometimes stuff comes along where it's it's weird, but no, Bilko, Bilt Bar, these places, they're just really good. So Bilt Bar, you go right now, BiltBar.com, you go to the, pro, uh, use the promo code Locked On, like the podcast network we're on, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. Locked On is the promo code for 20% off at BiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. This is mock draft season, obviously, where different analysts and experts are spending the entirety of their time going through and analyzing all the prospects and then you know, try to mix that with team needs to try to make a, make a semblance of a, of a mock draft and a, and a big board that can give you a bird's eye view of the draft. And usually this kind of stuff you know, tends to stay in line with how things are mocked up. And I've read interesting stuff about like chicken or the egg philosophies around teams drafting closer to mock drafts than they would maybe their own internal organizational philosophy just because it's a better PR look. So that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> but uh, the Nets at 19, the Locked On, Locked On Podcast Network's Chad Ford. You know this guy. This guy's been around for – this guy's kind of like the, the czar of the draft. He's been one of the longest running just like draft analysts uh, there is. He has the Grand Net- Poobah. Oh, yeah, Grand Poobah. There you go. Czar kind of sounds authoritarian in a way that I probably shouldn't have sounded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A little more team friendly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like not just like, you know, rested, you know, <laughs> not dictator. Just grab the power from all the other from all the other draft people and consolidate. And I will tell you what the draft yeah, and is. Then, and then, you know, and then held the threat of violence over them to make sure they didn't do anything. Yeah, no. So Czar was the uh, wrong word. Grand Pooba, uh the OG, other things, other things that are maybe have a, a slightly more positive connotation. He has, and there's actually, and it's not just him. There are a couple other outfits, big outfits here, that have the Nets selecting Jaden McDaniels from Washington as the 19th pick. And if you don't know anything about Jaden McDaniels, there's there's some good and there's some bad here, and we can talk about you know where this lands for the Nets. He's young, he's 19, he's just coming out of his freshman year at Washington. He is a really tall, really kind of big kid in the sense that he's tall. He's six nine. He's rail thin at. Uh, at 200 pounds, uh, like he and KD could have like a, a Cavs contest, I think, about, you know, where <laughs> lack of Cavs contest. And, and KD just smokes them uh, like in terms of <laughs> like in terms like it's not it's 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 embarrassing. Like, you know, maybe like Nick, Nick Claxton could get it on it. Like these guys are um, he's he's very, very, very thin. He plays the wing, um, which is good for his size because he's he's so he's he, he needs to add a lot of weight really to, to probably just start to think about NBA stuff. But um he was a top prospect, obviously, coming uh, into Washington. There's good parts of his game and not so good parts of his game. So the good parts are he's pretty aggressive. I watched a bunch of highlights on him. He's, a, he's an aggressive pull-up shooter. 
the returns on the pull-up shot are not so he's got like the pull-up kind of KD style in that I'm you know, I'm willing to shoot it from everywhere. What he doesn't have are the KD returns on the shot. <laughs> so and I hate to like just keep comparing him with KD, but go, go right. Ahead. But classic misnomer of 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 oh no, I shoot just like KD. But, like really percentages? Well, I mean, listen, there's a, there's a bit of a disparity there, but I got yeah. the same rhythm. Look at my flow. I mean, I think there's room for improvement because the free throw shooting is pretty good, and free throw shooting has been shown to actually be a better um, barometer for how you're going to shoot specifically from three in the NBA than mm-hmm. actual college three-point shooting. So uh, sometimes people look at the college three-pointer, and by the way, he wasn't very good at the from three in college, 34%. It's okay. But uh, he was 77% from the line, which you're like, okay, that's something we can work with because usually the free throw percentage has been a better translator of what a player is going to do from distance in the NBA because just the schemes are different. Like you just need to have the bones of a shot more prepared than you do actually the distance. Does that make sense? Like you, like your, your form, it's form over, it's form over function to start and then you can extend out. Yeah. All the mechanics are there and now let's just do it from further and further away. Right. And that's why we've been able to see big men like Brooke, the Brooke Lopez of the world begin that Blake Griffin to some degree begin to extend out pretty quickly when they were asked to because mm-hmm. they it was not oh I've never taken a three-pointer but it just turns out that my form's pretty good so this is actually a pretty repeatable function so the fact that he's decent from from the free throw line is good I do get the sense from watching him that some of his three-point percentage issues without having watched every play were shot selection as much as anything else because um, mm. he wants to pull up in transition he's really tall so he can pull up over guys especially in college he was able to pull up over smaller defenders in a way that probably to him at times looked like good shots, but really weren't. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass on the three-point shooting percentages because I do get the sense that not every shot was the best one, was the, was optimized for uh, peak <laughs> performance. But like I said, this guy is not... He's really he's so thin. He He's going he's gonna to get murdered at, on, on the defensive end to start. I think that... The, the the athleticism is there, but it needs to kind of be honed in. So that's like my general sort of bird's eye view on Jaden McDaniels. And that all goes to say that I can talk a little bit more about him because there's some other stuff I noticed. But that all goes to say that when you draft Jaden McDaniels at 19, like a, you know multiple experts are, are predicting, this is not a guy by all accounts that can come in and play really any meaningful minutes on a team that's in win now mode next year. Yeah, well, and one of the things, so you mentioned 6'10", one thing to like about him is that his his standing reaches 8'11", so in terms of length, let me like visualize that length, he has another two feet added to his wingspan, so obviously, you mentioned about on the defensive end, I like the idea that he has good footwork, so these are all indicators of, he's quick on his feet, he's shown some ability to do weak side protection, so potentially it's all there. The problem is, and I don't have a problem, Being a prospect or a developmental player, having areas of your game that are going to need time to grow at the NBA level, this goes into what is the philosophy of an organization. So you mentioned, I've been diving in on the mock draft, doing it for the Locked On Network. When I start to look at players, my thinking is, how do I look at the Brooklyn Nets roster and identify the areas of need that I want to upgrade for immediate impact this year, because we're a win now team. We have a small window here, potentially with Katie and Kyrie. I want guys that can contribute early in their careers. McDaniels isn't that guy. Now, so the question becomes, and I'm curious what, how you would think Brooklyn should handle it. Do you want to have guys that are going to come in and be able to give you quality minutes off the bench this year? Or are you preparing for, let's say the potential of Katie and Kyrie are a one and done on these contracts 
And McDaniels could represent the next wave of the organization two years, three years down the line when you develop these other areas. And then he becomes a a big core piece of what you want to do in the future. Okay, so I think generally philosophically, and I would say this about all players, all positions, is that I just always want to take the best guy. And, Mm -hmm. And I don't mean the best guy now. I mean the guy who projects to be the best guy because the thing, and I know that sounds like maybe just too much of a cop out because the best can mean a lot of different things. I can say the best, right? Like the best now or the best later. I want to take the guy who I'm most excited about now and long-term, if that's the best way to put it, because the NBA is a pretty cruel mistress while you're in, it's, it's, you know, the road to hell is laid with you know, great intentions. You you can have the best of intentions, and then things just can just happen that you just are that are out of your control. And at that point, I want to just know that I've taken that I've taken the guy who is just five years from now who could be the best guy. Sometimes that's the guy that's going to have you win now, right now, right? Like sometimes that's just going to be that can just be the guy who's great, who's a really good player right now. You know, that's those guys tend to be, you know, further up on the draft board. The guys that are going to be really good now and really good later. I would just kind of say, look, when when it's all said and done, I'm at 19. I don't think I'm worried too much about my short term, right? Like, I, I just don't know how much at, at that point, at that this at this point in the draft, you're getting a guy that is going to step in and be a really solid contributor right out of the gate on a team that's going to end up probably not having tons of minutes for players here. Like, you know, there's just not going to be where are the minutes going to come from here. If, if they resign Joe Harris and they bring all the guys back, you know, you know, Spencer comes back, like what, how much playing time, even in a shortened season, realistically, is there going to be? So I think at that point, if I think that McDaniel represents the best sort of like prospect that I can get there, then I am, I'm, I'm fine with that because, you just need that. You kind of do need to do both things. You do need to like. You need to win now, but the Nets are kind of built to win now anyway. And at that point, you just need to kind of just stockpile as much, uh, like you know, talent as you can get for for years to come. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So here's the interesting part, because we're an honest podcast. I I disagree a little bit in one area of what you're speaking to around these later round, these later first round picks can't be guys that that can contribute early on in their careers. Now, it's probably few and far between, so it's not like I'm, I'm staunchly standing on the other side of the line here. But when I when I started doing the mock draft diving, you start looking at some of these prospects, I will say that there's a handful of guys that seem to have all of the baseline skill sets that they can come in with and be a contributor on the net. And I'll get into where I think they can fit and functionally over the course of the season with the Nets. But the guy that I want to take a look at who's been mentioned, he has been mocked a couple of spots to the Nets potentially, and that's Theo Maladone, the point guard out of France. Are you are you familiar with the gentleman, sir? I've done cursory research on him without being an expert on Theo Maladone. But I have some I do have some thoughts, but um I but uh, you you know you know way more than I do. 
All right. I like to set it up that way where we go. Now let's defer to Adam. Um, the reason <laughs> so the base, the baseline reason that I like it, um, I, I'm a fan of international players just in terms of guys that are maybe getting a little bit more closer to professional level experience and necessarily we get the college level based on, on where you play. So he's been playing over in France. He has the nice size at the point guard position at six foot five. So good frame as the baseline there has a nice reach. The, the first thing that I like, and you'll find this over the theme of any guys that I highlight is the defensive upside because all indications are he'll be able to defend both guard positions and he'll also be able to potentially get up to the forward position and do a little bit of defending there as well. Something that the Nets need to have. He's decent on the ball. He can create a little bit in his game as well. So I look at him to, to feather this over and I have a little bit more on his game itself, but in terms of contributions, let's take, let's take this bird's eye view. Nets are in these trade discussions. Maybe they're going to make a move for a third star. Maybe as they get to the trade deadline, they're going to look at the market and say, how do we potentially improve this roster? Where are they going to pull from? They're going to pull from Karis Levert, maybe Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen. Those are going to be the names that get put into these trade conversations. As you diminish the guard room for the Brooklyn Nets, having a guy already on the roster in Theo Maladon would mean, Hey, Here's a guy that wasn't going to see a lot of minutes maybe leading up to the trade deadline, but we believe that he can step right in and be a complementary piece to Kyrie Irving's game when he's either on the floor with him or off the floor. So I like having that flexibility of creating a safety net so that if you choose to make a move, you do have a player that you've developed over the start of the season here that can step in, again, be a contributor in his rookie season. That, that's where my baseline starts with him. I know you watched a little bit of the highlights on him. What did you Do you see things in those highlights that you were watching that say, yes, he can come in and be on the same page as me? He can be a contributor early in his career? I mean, okay, so before we get to the highlight piece, the one comp that I read for him is uh, Frank Nittalina. Uh, that's the guy's name. <laughs> Nilakina? Nilakina. And I do that every time when I say his name. Uh, I just get, I, I swap out the con- I swap the consonants. And I'm like, oh, okay, that is, what is that, right? Because that is a defensive first point guard who has struggled to kind of find a rhythm in the modern NBA, specifically on offense. And, mm-hmm. and then I, so I read that and... I was kind of reading that as I was watching highlights and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because there's some passivity around his game at times. Um, he's not he's not, you know, tremendously quick, especially on ball. So mm-hmm. the um, yeah, he can kind of get to the rim, but it was clearly against you know, a lesser defender in, in France. So a yeah, little, little like, more plotting, a no, little more probing, like a steady, a steady gather into the lane as opposed to getting downhill and really blowing past guys. Yeah. There's like no explosiveness. I, yeah. Like at least right, right. That I saw right. That, that, you know, in, you know, you know, watching, look, I did. I watch all the game tape. No, but like the, the, the sort of the highlights of it were you know a little bit less than inspiring, I would say. And that makes sense too. When you look at his numbers, because while he got some minutes here, it you know eighteen sort of eighteen minutes yeah. a game seven points a game uh, the three point shooting was okay at thirty seven percent look the game's different so I get that part of it and it is definitely moving at a little bit of a slower pace overall so I'm not gonna just draw you know grand uh, conclusions from some of these numbers it you'd probably if from the from what I can tell is you'd be really relying on the fact that he's like is probably mature past the 19 years old yep. and can get it done on defense because on the offensive end, I just don't see why he would ever come in and play all that much in a primary ball handling role, considering who they have on the roster now. Like for instance, go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, let me so, just say one more thing. Like yeah. in their, in their current construction, there's no way you'd have him on the ball over Kyrie Spencer, 
Karis. You know what I mean? Like there's no mm-hmm. there's there's no world in which that really makes sense. And so at that point, you're really saying, okay, he's got pretty good size. If he can defend the two because his lateral quickness is good enough, then okay. But in terms of a point guard solution, it's definitely not. And I don't know if they need a point guard solution. So I, I think I, I'm with you. It's but it's just not. You know when Frank is the is the uh, is the comparison. You know what you're getting. Like that guy's all defense first, and that and that's just kind of and that's what you're gonna have to kind of live with. Well, and by the way, and let's also we talk about you know f- philosophy and how you build a team or whatever. Nilakina is suffering by being in the Knicks organization these last couple of you know last, it's two years now that he's been there or whatever. I can I don't even know specifically when he was drafted, but you're talking about a guy who hasn't been in a great organization, I would say. So where has the development of his game been taken or has it not been taken? Not to not to diminish the, the, the comp, which is probably pretty fair, at least from the eye test. And, and, I, and I think, and you are right. So when I look at him, I look at it more offensively. I'm saying if you are on the ball, great opportunity to be a facilitator and get looks for some other players. Now, whether or not that, that ability getting into the lane and being physical enough to do that early in his career, that's probably the other issue too. Because even on the defensive end, getting caught up in screens sometimes, could be a problem for him but I like it in so I I think about it if you're going to have times where you're on the floor and you have Kyrie Irving obviously you could bring him in and then he can take on the more difficult of the two defensive assignments at the guard positions and then if you're flexing over again say Spencer Dinwiddie comes in well now he, he again can play alongside of him not at the point guard spot and the one time that maybe you would see it if that if it came up would be you have Karis Levert in the game and maybe Theo Maladone could be on the ball to just free up Karis LeVert to play off a little bit more because we've talked about that in the bubble and what that looks like and where Karis LeVert's best suited. Now, is that going to be you know few and far between where that's the occasion? I more look at it as, say, Karis LeVert gets moved. Now you have two traditional style, we'll say, point guards in Kyrie and Dinwiddie, and then Theo Maladone could be a nice complement to those two guys. So I think you're right. Obviously, there's limitations. Obviously, it's going to be about growth and development for this player in some regards, but I at least like the baseline, and not you can't compare him to McDaniels, but just in terms of where are they entering into it, I would think you could get him onto the floor for some sample sizes over the course of his rookie season relative to McDaniels that you may never see on the floor, and that wouldn't be a bad thing either in that regard. Yeah, I think that like I think that's a, probably a good way to wrap this is to say like comparatively, what are we looking at here, right? Like comparatively, if it was me having just looked at these two guys, or just specifically, we've looked at more guys than this, but specifically comparing these two guys because I think they are they are interesting, you know, theory or philosophical, you know, there's philosophical differences in drafting each. I personally would take McDaniel's over Theo because I just think there's way higher upside. When it comes to the length, when it comes to the overall athleticism, when it comes to like what you can probably mold into him, especially you get him into the weight room and start putting on some pounds, it's hard for me to see that with with Maladon. And look, am I being unfair for a nineteen year old? Sure, these guys just turn into something, but it just didn't really jump off the page. It just really didn't jump off the page at me at all. I mean, mostly just kind of around the athleticism. Like it's because athleticism in the in the end is kind of. It can be the it can be the sort of the um, the siren song in terms of like oh oh look at the athleticism what are we gonna get with this guy and then it kind of doesn't work out but unathletic dudes with motors they can get there too but it's just so much harder so I I don't know um, if I, that that if I'm just comparing these two guys for this for the purposes of this podcast I would much rather them see McDaniel's knowing that we're not gonna maybe see him for a year G League him get him into the weight room 
have him learn some good habits from guys like KD, you know, and, and stuff like that, and then move on, rather than uh, a guy that I feel like I can, just from watching him, I can kind of see the ceiling, and I that worries me a little bit. Yeah, and these are guys that are going to be in and around that range potentially for the Nets. So obviously, this is the analysis that you you think that the organization is doing when you talk about the risk-reward or the long-term development of any of these players. All right, should we, I mean, should we throw a third guy in here? Should we get into Robert Woodard? Um before the weekend, that's kind of your call here. This is going to be what you call a gentleman's tease, friends. Come back on Monday where I'm going to dive in on Robert Woodard. And really, you're going to start to hear some of the, the tantalizing tidbits that I think makes this guy an incredible prospect and maybe even an ideal fit in Brooklyn. Early con- early contributor. High mo- uh, yeah, just yeah. come back Monday. You're going to love it. Robert Woodard, I'll break him down. Yeah, spend the weekend to go look up some Robert Woodard highlights, too. Like, if you want to jump in so you can jump in the conversation. Not, you know, you kind of have your own thoughts as we're kind of breaking down the Woodard thing. Because I think it's going to be an interesting one to look at. Uh, and I'm with that. And there's a lot of reasons to be excited about him. Rating and, reviewing the, rating and reviewing the podcast is always the thing that helps us the most. Wherever you listen to podcasts, five stars or bust. Throw a review in there. Mention Adam and Doug. Um, always helps boost those podcast listens, which we've been really encouraged by as we've taken over the Lockdown Nets podcast go visit our sponsors too it's the other way to put uh, a little bread in our basket so to speak and we will be back next week talking more draft lead up where the nets can go and obviously your boy robert woodard and first as the poet william hubert nelson would tell you all around these draft times how's your new love i hope he's doing fine i heard you told him that you'll love him till the end of time Oh, there's nothing more apt for the for the draft than that. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.